Another huge tip for people in retirement is that you're still learning and growing. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. And nobody really tells us the truth about that. What's left when your job title goes away? Did you know retirement ranks number 10 on the top 10 list of life stresses? Today on Mindset Mastery, Sharon Rolf joins me to talk about finding purpose and fulfillment in retirement. Sharon transitioned her behavioral science master's degree into being a retirement essence coach after she retired in 2016 to address the social, emotional, mental, and spiritual transition of retiring. I'm excited to welcome Sharon Rolf to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you, Sharon? Well, thank you, Rachel. I'm delighted to be here because I love talking about the emotional side. Yeah, everything beyond the financial side of retirement. That's what I love because people aren't, are usually surprised by the adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think so often you hear people talking about financially preparing for your retirement and that's the main focus. I think that, that people put on that, but especially when I didn't know that it was number 10 on the top 10 list of life stresses, but yeah, the emotional side of things, when you have a whole life change that can affect people greatly yeah and what i would like to have your audience if they're not in retirement age maybe their parents are and the children sometimes often recognize their parents are stuck before the parents recognize they're stuck Mm, yeah absolutely so just to start off with Tell me a little bit about your career and something you talk about is feeling invisible for most of your career. So tell me about that and then transitioning yourself into retirement. Well, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that this even became a key part of my transformation. When I was going through coaching school, you, you have to do the work that we would expect our clients to do. And I came back from lunch one day and stomped my foot and slapped the desk and said, it's not okay to be invisible. And I surprised myself, like, where did that come from? And I had been kind of intentional throughout while growing up to be invisible because one, it comes with being the middle child. I was the middle of five and there was sexual abuse in our home. And I, I got good grades and, you know, was obedient and didn't rock the boat. And so being invisible was in fact safe. And that's not uncommon for kids growing up. I always like to learn. And so that kind of made me different a little bit in getting good grades and all that. But in my career, I I remember distinctly every four years, it seems like I'd change jobs. And, and I said, well, my, my boss will promote me when he sees that I'm ready. And I was kind of leaving it up to somebody else to guide my life, I guess, until I finally started taking some leadership courses. And I remembered going to a Dale Carnegie course and Toastmasters. And I finally, okay, I, I need to run my own life, basically. But I still was kind of invisible in that I was, I'd let others lead it. If you needed a leader, I'd, I'd be a leader, but I was kind of second rate, I guess. 
But shortly after I retired, I went to this webinar that was on mental health, mental strength, how to have more mental strength. And it was led by Andy Shaw out of the UK. And he said, well, a simple technique to use is to remember a warm memory when you need to have more courage and more confidence is that warm memory will give you mental strength. And so I always recalled when I was in third grade having been a reader and there was three readers and I was the middle one and nobody really taught us how to be a reader. But so I kind of looked around and I'm like, who's, who's good in front of people? You know, so I watched the pastor, I'd watch people on TV that were leading something, or I, I figured out you had to speak up to be heard. You had to speak slow enough so people could understand you. And you needed to uh, look at your audience. And so afterwards, after the school Christmas program, somebody, two or, one or two people came up to me afterwards and said, I was their favorite reader. And oh, that just made me feel so good. And so that was, that's always been my more memory. But two, three weeks after this webinar from the UK, I said, well, why just have one more memory? Why not? see how many I could come up with. And on my list of things that brought me warm memories, half of them were in front of people. What? Have I been in the wrong career all this time? Because, you know, I was retired by this time. And that really like shocked me that I, I got good vibes from being in front of people. So I have started acting as if that was the truth, that that was something real for me. And, and moving in that direction. So now, okay, so I took a, a course just since the end of May that was Pitch Like a Pro. And she would always ask us, what are you known for? Well, I had been, I just in the process of uh, getting a book published called Fresh Courage in Retirement. And I had a podcast called Fresh Courage. And so I decided I was the queen of courage. <laughs> So I've been doing, I've been doing 40, well, almost 40 Instagrams now daily on from the queen of courage, just a two minute thing to uh, inspire everybody on a daily basis to have courage because we need more of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So from some of those 40 tips, what has been your favorite one about having courage or, or building courage? So I had actually, this is wild, Rachel, I actually did a presentation to a group of students in Brazil who were wanting to learn English. And I give them my little pitch about fresh courage in retirement. These students were about 40 to 50 years old, I guess. And they said they liked my, my presentation on fresh courage. And they asked me to come back. And so no, on retirement. So then I, the second presentation I did was on courage and they said it was the best one they'd had. <laughs> so I, I did well, courage to be, courage to be seen and courage to do. So I, I had about six or eight points around each one of those, you know, finish the sentence kind of thing. And this week I'm doing, where do you find courage? And I'm telling people that you can find courage with prayer, with your intuition, sometimes talks to you and gives you courage, getting advice from friends, being out in nature, I think gives us courage sometimes in a, in a intuitive kind of way. 
and reading biographies is a good place to find courage from other people. That's awesome. I love that last one as well. Because I love reading about other people's stories and other people's lives. And it's also probably one of the reasons I do this podcast to talk about other people, what they've experienced in their life too. Yeah, I along with biographies, something even more current is who do you know who is courageous and ask them how do they be courageous? You know, it could be somebody younger, could be somebody older, could be a different nationality or different sex. You know, it's like, who, who can you see in your life that, wow, I wish I, ha- I was that brave, you know, and ask them about it. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about some of those transitional things with retirement. So I want to go through the social, emotional, mental, and spiritual. What are some of the things that happen when you transition from your working life into retirement? Good question. Yes. Okay. So if we start with social, what happens, you know, oftentimes our jobs, our coworkers become like family to us. You know, we might have been spending five or 10 or 20 years with this group of people. And so, you know, you've learned about their family, you've gone to lunch or or done some act, social activities with them after work. And now that you're not at work, do they call you? Do you still call them? The whole, there's, there's a grieving process with leaving that team of people behind that now you're in charge of your social life. You have to put on the calendar when you're purposely going to be social. That could be, Rachel, things like, being part of a book club, being part of a bowling team or a golfing team or archery or baking club, you know, you have to be, well, in fact, let me tell you a little story. I remember going up to um, a town to, I was going to give them, I used to do, what do I want to do in retirement workshops? And so I was going to give one at at the senior center, but I got there early enough that I wanted to stop at the grocery store and get myself something to drink. And I saw sitting out in the parking lot, one or two people that just had one person in the, like this one guy was in a older pickup and he was sitting there all alone. And, and I thought, well, I wonder if this is his way of being social today. Cause it looked like he was just kind of watching people. It made me both happy and sad because if this was the only social life he was having that day, I'm sad because there's nobody he's talking to. But I'm happy at the same time because he's out of the house, he's outdoors. So there's a plus and minus to that little picture that I saw. And I know with this pandemic, I was, I was putting on my earrings and dressing up just to go to the grocery store. (laughs) But so that whole, you've got to make some decisions that say, to be on my, on my ca- put things on your calendar that make you social. That may include going to your doctor and dentist and eye physicians, but it, it means spending time with friends that replace that whole team of who you used to work with. Yeah, I think a lot of our identity can get wrapped up in our job title as well. And then when you walk out the door for the last time on your last day of work, that whole lifestyle is just suddenly gone. 
Yeah, that kind of enters into what I call an element of change in that you no longer have a task to do, something physically to do. You don't have a team to work with and you don't have a title. So a lot of times people's identity just is gone when they don't have their business card anymore. And that's especially true if they've been a very competitive career or uh, traveled a lot. Because I think people who have traveled a lot are been, you know, devoted to their job like 80 hours a week, don't have that support system that most of us do have. They don't have the family relationships that they've been nurturing over the years. And without it, it's, it's hitting a blank, you know, a, a wall. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of your tips for making the transition and, you know, finding a new social circle and adding more purpose and fulfillment into your life? Well, one of them was one of the podcasts I did was on volunteering. And the main thing is I want you to realize when we don't have a boss anymore, we are the ones that are the boss. It's our time to be the boss, but it's also our time to shine. So the speaker I had was um, an AARP past president for my state. And he had shared with me on my podcast, nine things you can, tips that you can get from volunteering. One is that he was able to volunteer for hospice and for an arboretum here. And he would give guided tours. Well, you become an expert on one thing, you know, for the good eye guided tours. And he said his expertise, wooded plants. I still don't know what that is. I didn't ask him, <laughs> but but he, then he found that you make new friends when you're being that, who knows if you're like, he gave an example. One of the things he, he met his dentist on one of his volunteer gigs and he had no idea how interesting his dentist was because you never see him outside the dentist's office, you know? Um, so there was an element of learning. There was an element of meeting new people, of helping people just by being this tour guide and expanding and growing. And that would be another huge tip, Rachel, for people in retirement is that you're still learning and growing because actually like those plants, if you're not growing, you're dying. And nobody really tells us the truth about that. So when people are spending 48 hours a week on an average in front of a TV, that looks like you're dying. And the rumor that worked before I retired was that when you retire, you're dead within three years. What? That just stabs me in my heart how wrong that is. Because as a behavioral scientist, I see those 48 hours as a potential resources for our communities and our neighborhoods to make them stronger and impact. When I was looking for somebody to speak on courage in my podcast, I must have had to ask eight or 10 people. And I was kind of surprised that that was hard to find people to talk about courage. And the person I found actually going to have lunch with this week, I'm anxious to tell him how far this courage subject has gone but the the being being the the leader the the driver of your life in retirement 
I, I really want you to have, in fact, one of the reasons that volunteering is so important is that that may lead you to what your purpose is. Because they, my guest said that keep trying something, be interested in something. Not everything that you volunteer for is going to feel like a good match. But don't stop. I want you to have the curiosity of a three-year-old. Because, you know, if they want to open that cabinet door, they'll figure out a way. So be curious about how many different ways could you try volunteering and what one really touches your heart and is, oh, yeah, I feel like I fit in here. I feel like I'm making a difference and I matter. And that will give you lots of long years because I, I actually see us focusing on longevity in retirement, not, not dying. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So one of your, your taglines, I think it's the title of your website as well as effortless vitality. So can you tell me what you mean by that term and what that looks like? I was shocked when somebody first asked me that shortly after I decided that was my company name. Effortless Vitality is, have you ever been involved in something that you were so interested and so engaged and so focused that you lost track of time? Well, that's because you're living from your heart. You're so engaged in it that it grabs your attention and it just flows effortlessly. I'm surprised at how many times lately I've heard the term effortless, in fact. And that's especially important in retirement is that living from your heart. I also equate it kind of to wholeheartedness that even though, you know, life may be a little bit bumpy, keep giving and keep being open to living from your heart because there is so much good that you can be doing when, when you're coming from something that matters to you, that you're willing to give that extra mile, you know, to, to, to me, it's just equates to your heart. So, so the thing that I like to do with my clients is I, I was introduced to writing my essence statement when I first got into coaching school. And I, I have gone back to that essence reading several times because uh, it helped me to know when my day was productive because otherwise it's like I was bouncing off the wall and said, how do I know if I'm productive today or effective today? When I was living from my essence, what I call also my DNA, the stuff I was born with, it just always made for a good day. And yet hardly anybody teaches people how to write their essence or the DNA. And when you live from that essence, it is effortless. After all, it's inside you. And the tough, tougher kind of decision is now going forward in life, making decisions that align with the true nature of you as being interdirected. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you help people find that if they're not sure if a client comes to you? How do you help people find like what their essence statement is and what they really feel is living from their heart? Well, a big way that will help you initially is reading my book that's coming out in about a month called Fresh Courage in Retirement, Finding Purpose, Essence, and Fulfillment. But what's more important about how 
Rachel, is the what and the why. When you're living from your heart and your essence, life feels congruent. It feels satisfying. It feels contentment and meaningful. And all those words mean a lot to me. I'm hoping they mean a lot to you too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't, if you're missing contentment, satisfaction, and joy in retirement, then try reading my book because I have lots of ideas in there. I, I have call to actions or actions to take, I guess, like, and at the end of every chapter, and some of them are just baby steps, easy to do, make a list, you know, re- recall what the 10 things that you enjoy doing, you know, and I have you talk about your values a little bit and maybe recall what do people compliment you on? Because I often think what we're gifted in doing may also be a key to our purpose. And I don't know why we don't often connect those two, but, you know, sometimes people have 30 things that they're (laughs) gifted in, and most of us are struggling with four or five. (laughs) So, but, but, and the other hard part is that we're so close to our own skin, we don't realize, oh, Rachel, you have a hard time with that? Oh, let me help you. That's nothing at all, you know? So seeing what we're good at is sometimes difficult because we're too close to it. Mm, Yeah, that's absolutely true. Another thing I want to talk about is the idea of holistic retirement planning. So what is this, first of all, and how do we incorporate that into when we're planning, not just financially for our retirement? Yeah, so holistic retirement is all the things that we've been talking about already. And I've actually got this little graphic that, In retirement, they say that there's the four main pillars, health and family and purpose and money. So money is just one of those pillars. But anytime the family changes, it may have an impact on your health or your finances. When your health changes, of course, it's going to have an impact on your your dollars and maybe even your family. So holistic is the idea of holistic retirement is to think about what would you want to be doing in retirement starting maybe as early as 40 or 50 years old. I've heard of oftentimes people will have a dream that, you know, they'd like to be able to say, write a book and they don't feel like they have time for it now. So I'll have time for it in, in when I retire, but maybe what you do have time for is to take some writing classes now or be in a book club or taking baby steps towards that transition into being an author. Let's see, what would be another example of, oh, that you might want to be traveling around the world. Well, maybe I've heard of some people collecting waterfalls. What waterfalls would you want to collect and where are they? And how can you plan on taking trips, a few of them now and not just waiting all until later. One of my first guests was she did something that's now become a term called volunteerism, where she travels as a volunteer. Well, come to find out there's agents, a variety of agencies that will let you volunteer in other countries. You usually have to pay some room and board, but it can be expensive or it can be pretty cheap. She set her budget to be not willing to pay more than I think it was $300 a day or a week, probably, probably a week for her room and board. 
And it may or may not come with running water or a shower <laughs> or, uh, let's see, or a, a private room. But she decided to volunteer around the world for a year. And she wound up being feeding baby lions. She rode elephants. She was in a baboon sanctuary. And another experience was teaching English to Chinese college students. And what a fascinating uh, life she, she knew she needed to expand her heart. And now after the trip, she's got these pen pals all over the world. And that's just an example of what she did it when she was 57. So she didn't wait until she was retired, but it did take her two or three years to plan that trip. She does say she wished she'd done a better job of noticing what the weather was in these countries before she went. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So what can people expect when they come and work with you? When they come and work with me, I have, during this pandemic thing, I created a, a video that I have them, it's interactive. So I have them stop and do some, some answer some questions and I give them activities to do pretty similar to what I have them do in my book. And actually, let me make a side trip here. In my book, I organized in the seven main topics that people desire in life. Things having lots of fame or lots of status. Well, fame and status often go together. Uh, a big social club or network. Having maybe saving resources or saving time. So I put my topics around these seven things that people usually desire. And let's see. Then I forgot where I was going with that though. Help me out here, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. So when people come and work with you. Um... Oh, work with me. Yeah. So I... I use these, all this, these interactive activities to help them write a metaphor of something that out in the world that they could talk about as if it was them. And it often reminds me of the parables in the Bible are metaphors. And you read them at different times, they say different things to you. Well, metaphor kind of does... It's something artistic expression. My, my essence starts out with, I am precious jewel of wisdom. So I tied my metaphor to being jewelry, a stone, a ring that has sparkle and vibrance and value. And, and that's my metaphor for life. So I, I then would coach people and to help them fully express I know when I first stood up in front of my class and read my essence statement, it's like it moved me to tears practically because I've never expressed myself like that before. It's like I'm expressing my soul and we don't ever do that in life. And yet for somebody to see and hear that, you know, what's deep inside us was just amazing moment. Let me put it that way. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That's really beautiful. So if people do want to work and connect with you, where can they find out more about you? I actually have two websites right now. And depending on how you view life, is one's more artistic and, and Olympic messages. Effortlessvitality.org is my old website. And effortlessvitality.now, N-O-W, dot S-I-T-E is my new one. 
And I kind of like, let's disrupt retirement on my new site and think in kind of those metaphorical ways that we've got so much more still to give. I intend to live to 100, Rachel. I hope there's lots of people out there that want to live to 100 along with me. I'm 73 and I, I usually surprise a lot of people, but I, I think we've got a lot to give and don't be, you know, pulling the cover over your head quite yet. And you young people out there, pay attention to whether your parents are feeling discouraged or stuck or, you know, checking out on life, because let's, let's help them realize that there's so much more that they could be doing and giving in retirement. Yeah, that's wonderful. So Sharon, for someone going into retirement, listening to this episode, what is the main thing you want them to take away? Well, I like to make these little art blocks that I, I like to combine color and wisdom and they're this fabric art in its own way. So I, I'm inspiring people all the time. Here's, I'm holding up one that says, let your feet follow your heart. That's a pretty big, let your heart, feet follow your heart is a pretty courageous thing to do. But uh, when it brings you joy, that's, that's the main thing. So the one book that I like to recommend that started me on a new journey while I was still in coaching school was The Joy Diet by Martha Beck. Martha gives you 10 menu items and it's, and it all kind of leads to finding your joy. You'd be surprised how many people do not know what makes them happy or brings them joy. So that's the first place to start. That's wonderful. Sharon, it's been awesome to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I was a delight for this to work out so quick. And I've now been a speaker in Australia. <laughs> If you would like to connect with Sharon, you can find the links that we talked about in the show notes below. And as soon as her book becomes available, you'll also be able to access that via the notes. If you've been enjoying Mindset Mastery, please leave us a review and share the show with someone else who you think will find value in what we talked about. Think about your parents, your friends, anyone who may be soon transitioning into retirement. I think it's really important that we prepared not only financially, but in every aspect of our life as well. I can't wait to have your company again next week. And until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.